You know, some people have the perception, and maybe you've had this perception, that if you walk through the doors of a church, you'd probably get struck with lightning, right? It's like, man, if I went to church, I would just get struck by lightning because if God, you know, if I entered his space, and church is often considered God's space, you know, if I entered his, his, his territory, I'm just not good enough, not perfect enough that I would ever survive and I'd get struck with lightning. Well, Good news for you today. We plan an outdoor service. So there's no lightning strikes tonight. Uh, you won't get hit with lightning um, because we're, you know, not inside the church. Now, obviously, we know that probably isn't true because a lot of imperfect people go through the doors of a church. But I imagine you have some things in your life that you think, you know, if God knew this or if other people knew this, you judge yourself so hard that you wonder, if I went through the doors of a church, they judge me. And probably it's a perception, a, 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 a picture of God judging me as well. And the question I think we have to wrestle with as it comes to our imperfection and God is how does God relate to our imperfection? That's the question probably all of us have wondered at some point in our life. If God knows this about me or if God knew this, if he knew what I did or knew what I thought or knew the intention of my heart, how would God relate to me? And it's interesting, Jesus, who is God, gives us a picture of how God interacts with you and your imperfection and how God interacts with imperfect people. And there was this time Jesus was walking along and we read in Mark chapter two, it says, as Jesus was walking along, he, son, he saw a Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Now, Levi is another name for Matthew. Maybe you've heard of Matthew because, you know, there's the Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew was a follower of Jesus. But at this point, Jesus comes across Matthew, and Matthew's sitting at a tax collector's booth. Now, just so you know, Matthew wasn't sitting at a tax collector's booth because it's cool to sit at tax collector booths. It wasn't like he's just hanging with his friends, being like, hey, we're just going to hang out at the tax collector's booth. He was hanging out at the tax collector's booth because he was a tax collector, and as a tax collector, he probably didn't have a whole lot of friends. The friends he had were probably just other tax collectors because tax collectors were known for two things in, in the first century. They were known as traitors and they were known as thieves. Traitors because they were working for the Romans who uh, were occupying the land of Israel. And so they were traitors because they were working for the hated Romans. And on top of that, they were known as thieves because with the backing of Rome to collect taxes, everybody knew Everybody knew that they uh, over-collected their taxes with the, intention, with the intention of pocketing the extra. And so these were hated, hated people. In fact, they were kind of, if you think of the people on the totem pole, uh, the perfection pole, the social class pole that were at the very bottom of the bottom that everyone just kind of looked down on or hated for this reason or that, most definitely it was the tax collectors. They were the, as imperfect as imperfect could be. In fact, if you read the Gospels, there's this funny thing that happens, and I always just chuckle at this. The Gospel writers, when they talk about tax collectors, they say they, there was the tax collectors and the sinners. So there's all the bad people, which are like sinners. And then, oh yeah, there's also the tax collectors, which are a level of sinning all their own. They're in a category all their own. They're as bad as it gets. If the sinners are down here, the tax collectors are a rung lower on the ladder. And so this is... This is Matthew, this is Levi, and Jesus comes across him and he meets this imperfect person and what will Jesus do? God, perfect, perfection, as he comes across the lowest of the low 
the most imperfect of imperfections. What about you? What's the tax collector in you? Your greatest regret? Your greatest mistake? Your greatest sin? The thing that you won't tell anyone? It's the thing that when I ask the staff, hey, can you share me some of the you know, silly, dumb things you've done? They're like, I'm not telling you the dumbest. I'm not telling you the worst. I'm not letting that out of the bag because we all have secrets that we will go to our grave. Some of it is stuff that we thought and never acted out on. But as you think about that thing, that thing that you've often wondered, if God knew, he would throw me out. If God knew, I'm sure he'd strike me with, with lightning. If others knew, what is that thing? Well, Jesus comes across that thing in the person of Matthew, in the person of Levi. And what is Jesus going to do? Perfection coming into imperfection. Jesus says this, two words, as he meets imperfection. Follow me. What? I'm sure the gasps in the crowd were like, what? This is a rabbi, this is a teacher. He just, he just told a tax collector he can follow him. And Jesus is like, yeah, come, come follow me. You're the bottom of the bottom, but you can follow me. And so Levi did. Crazy, he, he stood up and he followed Jesus. But what happens next is even more ludicrous, almost even more preposterous. Jesus, we're told, after he says, Levi, follow me, we're told that while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. Now, this is interesting. Jesus says, follow me, and then he proceeds to follow Matthew to his own house, to hang out with his tax-collecting sinner friends, which is just like, goes against all of what we would expect and all of what those who were there would have expected. They all expected, okay, Jesus, you just asked this guy, this sinner, this bottom of the totem pole guy to follow you. Surely your next sentence is gonna be, now get rid of your friends, change your clothes, cover over that tattoo, stop smoking, right? He was gonna tell him, here's all the things that you need to change now that you're gonna follow me and Jesus does none of that. He simply says, hey, you wanna follow me? Introduce me to all your friends, all your tax-collecting sinner friends. And Matthew does. While there was a group of people that were not impressed with what Jesus were doing. See, Jesus in the first century was known as a rabbi or a teacher of the law. The teachers of the law were the righteous ones. When, when normal people like you and me would think about the teachers of the law, it was like, oh, those are the perfect ones, the holy ones. If anyone is pleasing to God, it's the teachers of the law. So here's this teacher of the law that just hung out with some really, really bad sinners, the imperfect of the day. And they're like, what's going on? See, for them, they would never hang out with a tax collector or a sinner because they might get contaminated. And yet here's this teacher, this rabbi, who invites the sinners to come follow him. Well, they weren't impressed, and so they showed up at the party at Matthew's house. And when the teachers of the law and the, and the Pharisees saw him, Jesus, eating with the sinners and tax collectors, see two, two phrases, the sinners and then the bad tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? <laughs> Jesus responds by saying this. On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy 
who need a doctor, but the sick. It's not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. Now imagine this. This is how I always imagine it. It makes me chuckle. I imagine all these sinners and tax collectors having a party, which probably means they're listening to loud music, and it's probably rock and roll, right? They're rock and roll. There's loud music, maybe some, some dance music, and they're just having this great big party, and all the tax collecting and sinners are all there hanging out, and Jesus is eating with them, and then all of a sudden at the side, there's these, you know, robed righteous, perfect people that show up and they're kind of standing to the back, you know, with their judging eye and they call some of the disciples over and they're having this conversations. Everyone's having this party and like, I don't know why those guys showed up. They never show up. And they're just having this party and all of a sudden, they're like, you know, Jesus speaks up because he hears what they're talking about loud enough for everyone to hear. And he says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And I just imagine like the music stops there's kind of this awkward pause and all the sinners and tax collectors are looking at each other and two guys are like, did he just say what I think he said? Did he just call us sick? And they're kind of like looking at each other, processing this. And then the other guy's like, bro, that's sick. Yeah, we're sick. Yeah, sick, man, sick. All right. And then they start the music and they party again. They're like, yeah, we're sick, right? And Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick And then he goes on to describe what he means by this. I have not come to call the right. I've not come to call those who are right. Those who think they are right. I've not come to call the righteous. I've come to call sinners. So I I will spend so much time hanging out with sinners, with people who are sick, with those who need help. Because those are the people that I came for. If we as a church are gonna be anything like Jesus, we're gonna look a whole lot more like a hospital for sick people like me and you than a social club that hangs out and has a lot of fun together. A lot more like a a hospital where we allow those who are imperfect to come in. Because if we're not a church that allows imperfect people in, one, we're nothing like Jesus. Nothing like Jesus. And two, we're all out. We aren't allowed in. Except for the one person, they said they were perfect back there, right? Who is that? They're allowed. But if it, if, if it means perfection, none of us are in. See, if you aren't perfect, you came to the right place. If you walk through the doors of a church and you have this feeling, am I gonna get hit by lightning? If you have this feeling, are other people judging me because it's a picture that God's judging me? You're at the right place because it's you judging you. It's not necessarily, it's definitely not God. There may be others that judge you, but it's definitely not God. God invites sinners in and he says, come follow me but I'm not good enough. It doesn't matter. Come follow me. See, Jesus came because we were imperfect and he who is perfect died for our sin so that we could gain his perfection. Not because of things we'd done, but because of what he has done. And we come to him imperfect as we are. We say, can we follow you? And Jesus says, yes, come follow me. God comes to us as we are. And he invites us to follow him. But I want to take it one step further. And this is where our series this fall is going to take it. You know, some of us have put our faith in Jesus. We're like, yeah, God accepts me as I am. And he accepts me as imperfect as I am. But we have this idea. I'm talking to those of you who have put your faith in Jesus. We have this idea of God that, yes, God has saved me. But I don't know if he could ever use me. Yeah, sure, maybe God has saved me, but I don't really know if he's pleased with me. Yeah, God has saved me, but if, 
with all of my past and all that's happened and all that I've done, I don't know if God could do anything through me. And, and, and I'm going to use this imperfect uh, idea in this sense. We think, I'm not righteous enough. I'm not like a good Christian. I still struggle. Uh, we, we say things like, I don't have enough faith. I just don't, I, people like there's Christians that have big faith. I don't have big faith. I don't think God can use me. We say things like, I'm not bold enough. I'm not successful enough. I don't have enough talent for God to use me. I don't have enough gifting. I don't have enough education. Or maybe this, I don't think I'm old enough for God to use me. Or maybe I'm just too old. Could God really use me? And we have all these inadequacies that we bring before God and we say, God, I don't know if you could do anything with me because I'm just not. You fill in the blank. Well, over the next few weeks, our inadequacy is gonna bump up against the adequacy of God. All of our insecurities are gonna bump up against the power of the God who calls us in and says, follow me. You know, as humans, we often, we tend to think about what we aren't. The apostle Paul in Colossians, he says, here's who you are. We like to think about what we don't yet have. Paul comes along and says, here's what you have. And this is mind-blowing. Let me, I'm going to finish with this. We're almost done. Then the bouncy castles. Okay, we'll get there. Paul says this in Colossians 2. He says, for in Christ, the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, which is an unbelievable thought. In Jesus, God, who is spirit, all-powerful, all-knowing, magnificent, creator of all things, all of who God is showed up in the physical body of the person, Jesus. Jesus is fully God, and he uses that word fullness. You have to remember that because he's gonna say this again later. For in Christ, all the fullness, all of God, all of it, and he doesn't lack any of God, is in the person of Jesus. It's an unbelievable thought. Well, what does that have to do with us? Paul's like, here's what it has to do with you. This is written to those of you who have put your faith in Jesus. In Christ, all the fullness of God is in Christ. Then he says this, and you have been given, guess what? fullness. If fullness is in Christ, you have been given fullness. Fullness in Christ who is head over every power and every authority, which means this. All of who God is is in the person of Jesus and all of who Jesus is is in you. All of it. You lack nothing. There is nothing that you yet need Paul writes this, he says, you already have it all. You, you need to grasp how much of God you have access to. And we like to think about all these things like, I'm just not, I'm just not, I'm just not. And our inadequacy bumps up against the adequacy of God. And, G and Paul says to the Christians, he says, by the way, all of who God is, you have access to, you lack nothing. That's hard to absorb, isn't it? It's hard, hard to let that soak in. It's, it's kind of like this sponge. I brought a sponge with some water this morning. Because a little bit, if we're a sponge, we can all soak up a little bit of water, right? Eventually it'll soak in. It, it, it comes in. We can soak up a little bit of water. But here's the interesting thing. All of who God is is available to us. This isn't like just a little bit of water. It's not even if, if I took this pitcher of water and just dumped it all over us. The idea is this. 
We are a sponge, and God is the ocean. And you can't soak up all of who God is. It's impossible to wrap your head around that, to understand all that you yet have. And in, in turn, we, we tend to look at what I don't yet have, and God comes along and says, the ocean is available to you. Receive it. So what we're going to do over the next eight weeks is we're going to soak, we're going to absorb, and every week we're going to talk about an inadequacy that we feel, an imperfection that we carry, that we wonder, God, could you do anything with me? God, could you use me? God, could you accept me? And every week we're going to try and absorb a little bit more of the adequacy of what God says about you. Not because you're awesome, but because God is awesome and he's in you through the person of Jesus. This next fall, we're gonna talk about no perfect people. No perfect people. None of us are perfect, but we worship a perfect God, a God who owns it all, who has access and power. All authority is all his. And he takes imperfect people and he does great things. He takes crooked sticks and maybe your life is a crooked stick. There's a lot of wandering. And God draws straight lines. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for this time that we can be together. And Father, as we consider our inadequacy in the places that we, that we struggle to really accept, to absorb what you have said about us. As we come to you this, this, this day and this fall, May we absorb more of the truth of what you say as our inadequacy and our imperfection bumps up against your adequacy and your perfection. May you, your spirit, make your word alive in us that we may know who you are and what that means for us. And so Father, as we continue, uh, we, we wanna just uh, praise you for what you've done. As we sing, um, may your name be lifted up and glorified. And Father, may we, uh, be built up as your body, as the church, as the presence of, of you, of Jesus in the world here. And uh, I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountoliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.